0: Hey, listeners, before we get to the action, we want to tell everyone about Zoss Films, bringing you the best in Michigan film and entertainment. Uh, Bill of Zoss Films, who's been on our show a few times, has a new podcast under underway, and we want to encourage everyone to go check it out. Uh, you can find him on the web at ZossFilmsPodcast.com. Awesome. Definitely go check that out. Rated Z for Zossom.
1: Oh, I like that. <laughs> Welcome back to the past. This is Dating Ourselves, a podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host Adam, and I'm joined as always by my co host Brian and Paul. Hello. Hey guys. Be sure to keep
0: the lights on, ladies and gentlemen, as we're about to get spooky. Ooh, Entering the scary world of episode 44. Not to be confused with the Scary world of Richard, scary.
2: <laughs> the scary world of Richard, busy. <laughs> That's it. Better joke. Moving on.
0: I apologize. I That's screwed up it. my own. <laughs>
2: it's okay. <laughs> if you missed our last episode, definitely go back and check that out. The gang and I talked about X Men, the animated series. Da 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 da. Whitney Houston. Houston. (laughs) (laughs) You can find that in all of our past episodes at datingourselvespodcast.com on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcasts.
1: I found mine in the toilet tank at Brian's house. Those were drugs. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: actually (laughs) the gun to uh (laughs) It used to be kept at the old Italian restaurant, but you know. (laughs) Michael Corleone has gotten uh (laughs) he's expanded uh where he keeps his firearms so
0: i walked into a pizzeria in chicago once that had that pull chain style toilet flusher and the first thing i did was look in the back of it
1: yep (laughs) i believe (laughs) it gotta make sure i'm not gonna get whacked while i'm taking a poop here (laughs) oh well we really appreciate our listeners support And we'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners on Stitcher about our show. If you would like to leave us a five-star review written on iTunes or any other podcasting platforms, we would definitely love to read it on the air as a way to say thank you.
2: So here's this week's five-star review. It's from Fop. It says, I love the movie topics discussed, and another great thing is these guys have great audio quality. I'm working my way through all the episodes.
0: Well, that's awesome. Speaking of audio quality, did you say FOP, like F-A-P, or FOP, like (laughs) T-H-O-P? (laughs)
2: T-H-O-P. Just
0: needed to verify that there. This could have got a little awkward. (laughs) Well, thank you, Thop. Five-star reviews are always encouraged, and be sure to tell your friends about dating ourselves.
1: Well, let's get started. This week, our main event on macabre horror writer Stephen King. (laughs) Get it? Main? M-A-I-N-E? Oh, jeez. That's... Was submitted by Greg D. of Central Wisconsin.
0: Is there any other part of Wisconsin? It's just kind of a mass. like suppose, it's all...
2: Well, there's the lakeshore. Oh,
0: well, that's fair. True. But I... isn't that basically Michigan or Chicago? I mean,
1: yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can get Greg D. to clarify that for us. <laughs> He's from all of Wisconsin. Although if you ask
2: people from Wisconsin if they're part of Chicago, they will remind you about the fish. And that's not the things that swim in the water. That's an acronym for uh, people from Illinois.
1: Yes, yes.
2: <laughs> Ask your parents, yeah. kids.
1: <laughs> that that also is very common in Indiana. Ah, <laughs> yes. Well, there you go. Not the acronym for Indiana. Indiana people also use the ah, acronym for yes, the, the fish acronym. I love it. Yes, yes. Very interesting.
2: Yes.
0: I'm on Urban Dictionary right now. <laughs> this may be news to
2: Paul. Yeah, total... be... oh, we can explain okay. it. <laughs> Never mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Moving on.
2: Um, so I, I got to tell you guys, the guy that polishes my shoes for whatever reason does not enjoy Stephen King's books. Really? <laughs> I, I really don't understand it. But he's always been a fan of The Shining.
1: <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> oh. Come on, that's at least as good as Maine.
1: (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, this is Brian's last episode with us. Oh, no. (laughs) He he was just unanimously voted off the show. (laughs) You don't get a right to say that joke if you don't have kids.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm also not at least bit surprised that you have your shoes shined, though. (laughs) yeah i
2: mean it gets kind of grimy after getting off the uh getting off the train every day so you gotta get it taken (laughs) care of you know
0: there you go (laughs) well remember everyone we will pick next week's topic at the end of the show it will be nostalgia combat nostalgia Nostalgia combat combat! me and brian's favorite band modest mouse versus brian and the (laughs) wb channel We will also visit our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, to get another topic for Adam. But first, Adam, tell us about our main event.
1: Alright, so let's get into Stephen King. So Stephen King is a person. He's not a place, and he's not a thing. But he's definitely a noun. (laughs) So, <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, We're off to a yeah. good start. Yeah. Did he yeah. write the thing? He did write the thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so Stephen Edwin King was just like all great human beings, born in September, September 21st, 1947. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yeah, and he is a writer of American horror, uh, supernatural fiction, suspense, sci-fi and fantasy novels. He obviously has a plethora of books, movies, and TV shows that are notable, including the recently produced It and The Shining and stuff like that. But we'll get into more of that later. Uh, But to date, he has written 58 different books, including seven under an original pen name, he actually, when he first started his career, wrote under the name Richard Bachman. Several years into that, he actually had to go back and kind of republish those books under his own name, because it was discovered that he he was Richard Bachman. It came out in like a news story or something like that. And so the he, he was kind of forced to Admit, yes, I'm Richard Bachman, and then they went back and published those books again under his actual name, Stephen King. Uh, but he... now, was
2: was Richard Bachman any relation to Bachman Turner Overdrive? <laughs> he,
1: <laughs> yes, he actually was Bachman Turner Overdrive. <laughs> he was
2: he was taking care of business, is what you're saying. He, yes, he was the entire <laughs> band.
1: <laughs> oh, he was man. Bachman. He was Turner. And he was overdrive. (laughs) I guess that's what they
2: mean by not seeing nothing yet. So, okay, gotcha, all right. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly.
1: (laughs) So he obviously has a ton of books and novels and short stories that are famous by him that he or, or since have been popularized within the science fiction and horror realm and stuff like that. So I wanted to start off kind of by going with kind of your first memories of Stephen King? Like, do you remember the first adaptation you saw in the theaters, or the first book you read by him? Or, you know, kind of what was your opening experience with Stephen King? Brian or Paul? Go ahead, Paul. Well,
0: I was hoping you would go first, because I'm looking up the date on mine.
2: Okay, (laughs) (laughs) No problem. No problem. Um, So, my dad was actually a huge Stephen King fan. Same, um, And he had a ton of books in the basement, like all of his books from the 80s. I remember walking down and, and seeing the cover of Firestarter. It was probably the first cover I had seen. It was like, that looks epic as hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was, like, way too young to be reading anything beyond Clifford the Big Red Dog at that point. So, um, but I think I, I was probably about, like, 9 or 10 when I finally decided that. That was the first uh, Stephen King book that I read was Firestarter. And that's such a, such a great Damn. one. Yeah, it was, it was epic. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of what got me into reading a lot of different horror genres and things like that. And probably really got me into the horror genre in general. Yeah, I, I always liked his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't read any of his stuff recently, like in years. I think the last book of his that I read was probably the Green Mile series. So, um, oh yeah, yep. Which was made yeah, into we'll an excellent that. movie, um, which I'm sure we'll be talking about, and I'm sure is also a topic in the Hopper that we can dive into much deeper detail in the future. But, um, but that was an excellent, excellent book as well. I always thought mm-hmm. it was really interesting that. He had some books that were just like straight up horror slasher type stuff, but he had a, a decent amount that were based in prisons and were just kind of uh, mm-hmm. just kind of dramatic stories about like the darker side of the institution, oh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And all absolutely.
0: the terrible shit that happens in Maine.
2: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Everything
1: yeah. bad happens in Maine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Great lobster rolls, though.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> so my first interaction with uh, any Stephen King work and what I ha- was looking up to verify is, do um, you guys remember TNT's Monster Vision hosted by Joe Bob Briggs? Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely. absolutely yeah. <laughs> So I was huge into Monster Vision and the first Stephen King work that I can recall was Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. And oh, sure, I sure. struggle to say that it is an adaptation Because he wrote a a short story called Trucks, which was published in the book Night Shift, which was a collection of short stories. And after the fact, I did go read most of the stories in Night Shift and probably most of my favorite adaptations come out of Night Shift. But what I didn't know until recently is Stephen King actually wrote and directed Maximum Overdrive.
2: Really? Didn't know that? Wow, that's cool. It
0: is an adaptation, but it's really only loosely based on trucks. It was, you know, if you've read the short story and short is loose because anything with Stephen King is, you know, it could be it's own pages. Exactly. It could be (laughs) its own paperback. (laughs) But. That is probably my earliest memory of anything by Stephen King. And I remember being, like, infatuated with that movie and recording it on VHS and watching it over and over again. And it wasn't until years later that I saw the not Monster Vision version. And I was a little bit sad because in the Monster Vision version, they had a kill count. And, like, when the Coke machine goes nuts or the ball machine and it's shooting stuff out, it would, like, count the number of hits before the kill. (laughs)
2: there were there were a lot of really great stories in the night shift too um i know we talked about children of the corn in a past episode Mm -hmm. um with with our friend bill from from zoss films excellent typical slasher type stephen king story uh Mm -hmm. whereas the lawnmower man for example was also in that and that was all science fiction being caught in like a computer cyberspace realm and things like that Mm -hmm. um
0: the story, not so much. That one's a very loose adaptation. Yeah. Um, sometimes they come back. The Boogeyman. Oh, the Mangler. I've, oh, I, yeah. I know I read the story when I read Night Shift, but I do not remember much of the story. But I remember the movie and it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Horizons release direct-to-video feature. Oh, Wow. You know, from the same production company that bought us such greats as Carnosaur.
2: <laughs> oh, Carnosaur, I remember that. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: if that's not in the hopper, I'm about to come up with my own pen name.
2: <laughs> no, but it's Paul, you're absolutely gut-relias. right about you're absolutely right about the lawnmower, man. Uh, the film is supposedly an adaptation of the Stephen King short story of the same name but aside from a single scene the two are entirely different that's uh, yes. lifted directly I, from Wikipedia. <laughs> so, I did not know that yeah they had a video game for the Sega Genesis too and it was the most awesome game ever because it was the closest thing to three dimensional graphics you had back in like 94 but um, you,
1: is that the one where you just went and mowed your lawn? <laughs> no no definitely not <laughs> Uh, well, I would say the the first experience I remember having with anything Stephen King related was the movie *Thinner*, uh, Ooh, which yeah. which was uh interesting, especially you know it came out in '96, so we would have been about ten years old at the time, and it was a pretty interesting story. It was a guy he is kind of an obese lawyer and he's driving and hits a gypsy and before she dies she curses him by saying the words thinner and then from then on he starts to lose weight at a rapid pace and becomes more and more frail and gaunt and uh, all that and it's you know about what he's going through in the aftermath of this curse and stuff like that uh, very freaky for a 10 year old to be watching <laughs> this and like, oh my God, you can lose weight and die like this right <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, And then you know for a while I I don't remember if I saw much from Stephen King for a while. It was a little later like into high school when I got into him. but I do remember that the next thing that really got me into his stories and and I feel like this was kind of like, an event at our school this was when we were in sixth grade so in our district for a few years we actually had a sixth grade building yep it was an old it was the first I think first high school in our district and it went from a high school to eventually a middle school and then it became a sixth grade building and uh, I remember. Now talking it's like about, an
2: asbestos collection site. <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
1: My well, first they, radiator burn was
0: in that building. They, they, uh, <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> they knocked quite a bit of it down, and now it's uh, actually the admin building for our district. Uh, but they renovated it a ton, the part that they did keep, because that school was like 100 and something years old. Yeah. <laughs> but. Anyway, I uh the one I remember and I don't know if you guys remember this you know being as big as I do, but The Perfect Storm which was a mini series and I remember that being huge with like uh, the friends that I talked to and so all of us were like super into it and it was about you know the storm comes to Maine and this guy that's kinda of like the devil comes into the town and it it was unbelievable. And I think that's when I finally kinda of got hooked on Stephen King and actually went and started reading some of his books and stuff like that.
2: And but, just to be clear too, the movie The Perfect Storm was not based on that. It was more wasn't the movie that was based on it called Storm of the Century?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Actually that might have been the name of it now that I think about it, The Storm of the Century.
2: Yeah. I say cuz there was like a wasn't it Mark Wahlberg or something was it yeah, a movie called The Perfect yeah. Storm. Yeah, yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah. It, George it Clooney, was, Marky Mark.
2: Yep, yep. Yeah,
1: yep. Yeah, so it was Storm of the Century. I apologize to the listeners there. But yeah, it was great story and I I absolutely loved it and I think that really sparked my interest as well as I remember my mom was gone somewhere for like a long weekend or something like that. And me and my dad had been talking about Jack Nicholson. And, you know, obviously I knew him at the time from Batman as the Joker and stuff. But he was talking about, oh, as yeah, good he as has it gets. other...
2: I'm, you were a big As Good As It Gets fan, weren't you?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I remember he was like, have you ever seen The Shining or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? And I was like, no. And so we actually one weekend watched both of those movies, and that I know that was really when I got hooked on Stephen King was when I watched The Shining, uh, which we'll talk about more later. But uh, now that we've gone through that, I just kind of want to go through kind of some of the books that he's known for writing. You know, the the especially the most popular ones that he's known for writing. Because it truly is amazing how many books he's written, you know, considered to be tops of that category. Sure. So his first book actually published under the name Stephen King was in 1974, Carrie, which obviously was made into a fantastic movie starring Sissy Spacek as a girl who's kind of awkward and has a rough family life and she gets teased and mocked at school uh which leads to a rather interesting finale uh i won't spoil it if you had a little (laughs) bit they're
0: all gonna laugh at you they're all (laughs) gonna laugh at you (laughs) also the name of my favorite adam sandler album
1: (laughs) yes yes absolutely
2: and the name of amy santiago sex tape (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's been watching brooklyn 99 I have, I have. <laughs> so on top of carrie he's written salem's lot
2: the yes. shining
1: uh rage which was a richard bachman book which is unbelievable if you've never read that one it's pretty crazy especially in a post-columbine world it's interesting to look back at this story because there's some um, Similarities in the storyline there. Uh, He wrote The Stand, uh, The Dead Zone, which was made into a TV series starring Michael Anthony Hall. There was Firestarter, Cujo, The Running Man, The Dark Tower series, Christine, Pet Cemetery, The Talisman, Thinner, It, Misery, The Tommyknockers. Did uh, you say The Running Man? Yeah, yep. Gerald's game, Dolores Claiborne, Insomnia, matter The Green Mile, Desperation and the Regulators, and then eleven twenty two sixty three, Under the Dome, and several others that have been produced in the last, you know, five, ten years or so. But that is an unbelievable amount of sp- Novels, those were his actual novels that have been published, and then you add in the short stories and things like that that he's also produced. It's unreal how prolific he's been and how many of his stories and his novels have become either motion pictures... Uh, TV oh, shows, things well, like that. We've like, talked
2: about several of them on this show. I mean, uh, "Stand by Me," for example, was a Stephen King yep. short story. Yep. Uh, we've yep. already mentioned "Children of the Corn" was a, was a Stephen King story. Um, right. I'm sure some of these others we've mentioned in passing, they've not necessarily been topics. Um, I feel like we've discussed the Running Man at some point because anything, right, yeah. anything with Arnold is awesome. And I know it wasn't a topic, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure we've brought it up at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's unbelievable the amount of work that he's had and, and the amount of different facets in society that's touched. Um, I guess we talked about Absolutely. it, too, didn't we? I'm sure we must have. I'm pretty I'm sure, sure we made jokes it about it. Yeah. Yeah, because I know we yeah. talked about Tim Curry being creepy as hell in it. Um, oh, he was
1: <laughs> so good in that adaptation. Yeah. That was about the only good thing in that adaptation, though. The, I think the new one is overall a lot better done. But I still think, as much as I love uh, Alexander Skarsgård or wh- whichever Skarsgård it was that played Pennywise in this, I- as much as I loved him, there's still something about Tim Curry's that was just so creepy and in oh yeah, just dis- disconcerting. Absolutely.
0: So I have a question. Since we just named off a bunch of books, have you guys ever read The Stand?
1: Yes. I have not. Okay. No. What do you how do you feel about it, Adam? Uh it's been a really long time since I've read it, so I don't remember it like super well, but I think I remember liking it, okay? I I know a lot of people that absolutely love that book and then
0: a lot of the works that have been, you know, the adaptations that have been produced of it. For whatever reason, when I first read it, I could not stand it. I struggled to get through it and I don't know why. Hmm. There was just something about it that I did not like. Until... I read the Dark Tower series. Are you, have you guys read the Dark Towers Any of the Dark Tower books? Are you familiar I've, with it at all? I've read the first one. I've yeah, I'm familiar
2: with it. it, but I've not read any of it. I know that I so need as to. As the Dark
0: Tower continues, uh, or as the Dark Tower series continues, the books start to intersect within the Stephen King universe, and it crosses into, without giving too much away, it crosses into the Stand. And all of a sudden, a lot of things that I didn't like suddenly made sense. And it kind of expand. I shouldn't say that because it definitely made less sense. But <laughs> it felt like it added, like, more depth to what was going on. And hmm. uh, after that, I really enjoyed it. But there's literally, like, probably 15 years in between there from the time I read The Stand until the time that I finished Dark Tower it took all that time before for me to actually go back and appreciate it. And I was just curious if anyone else had a similar experience.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and to be fair, the gunslinger and the stand and that kind of whole universe that he has there is very different from the rest of his novels to an extent. A lot of, it's amazing if you actually go, and look at that universe that he created a lot of his stories actually intersect with either characters or events from that series like there's crossovers from the uh, it book that crossover into some of the story of the stand and the gunslinger and stuff like that but the universe he creates here is very like lovecraftian like it's his most I I think his most unique series in that it's not his normal thing. It's kind of a whole separate genre of stories that he does. It's funny that you use that to
0: describe it because in doing research for this, I read that he was inspired to start writing after picking up a Lovecraft Lovecraft book that his dad left behind. Oh, no kidding.
2: Really? I didn't know that. That's amazing.
0: And that's what kind of brought him to the genre that makes sense inspired him to become a writer
1: wow interesting
2: that's really cool
1: but yeah i mean i i vaguely remember the stand and i remember liking it okay the first gunslinger book was really good i just haven't gotten around to reading the other ones yet it's a
0: must do you got to put it on the list Soon as Brian's done with Harry Potter, he's got to get on the dark. Oh time. gosh,
1: he'll finally get around to it when he's eighty. Then. That's been a slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> now, I my problem is I like that's my favorite kind of story is like when they world create. I love the Game of Thrones books. I love the Harry Potter books, the Tolkien novels, all that because they. Creates so much of a world that it like really brings you into it. But my problem is I love them so much that I keep jumping around to like series like right now I'm on Game of Thrones again. I read like the first three or four books before the first series care the first season came out. And then after that, I, like, got into other stuff, and now I'm going back and reading that after finishing the TV series and stuff. So I gotta, like, actually hunker down and read the Gunslinger books, like, through in the stand and all that. But the problem is, if you actually want to read the entire, like, Gunslinger stand universe, there's, like, something like 20-something books that all fit within that storyline. It's... Kind of ridiculous. <laughs> eh, you can make it straight through him. I did it. Yeah, that's true. Well, because if you actually just read The the Stand and The Gunslinger, it's only like eight or nine books. But there's so many stories, like I mentioned, It and a few other. I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head, but there's a bunch of them. Where Salem's there's, Lot. Salem's Lot, yep, uh, where pieces of that story show up, like characters or ideas from that series show up. So um so what what are some of your favorite either novels or stories by Stephen King? Ooh, boy. I feel like that would be an easier way to kind of get a good sense of his stories as opposed to just going, hey, did you guys read Carrie? What'd you like about it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um one of the stories, and it's probably the only book I've ever read that's, like, really, truly given me, like, the heebie-jeebies, is Pet Cemetery. Um, yes. Like it's just such a absolutely creepy novel. A very, very, like, 10,000-foot view really quick. For those who have not read it, I can't imagine you've not read it or seen any, like, uh, visual iteration of it. But um, the movie is about this cemetery where... Um, You take your pets, and you bury them, and they come back. And this family lost a child at a very young age, and so they decide to bring him to that same cemetery for the same type of reason. I don't remember. Is it like a burial ground or something like that? I don't remember where the power comes from.
0: I thought it it was an Indian burial ground that got uh, replaced with a pet cemetery that was I put together right. by the children which is why it was spelled wrong but i could be confusing this with poltergeist and yes. that's what i was just about to say I have, as well I have is not that read the, the book.
2: Uh, <laughs> is that the is that pet cemetery is intentionally misspelled with an s because it's as if children wrote it um so it's got all this like multiple levels of super creepy zombie children type stuff um it's a uh, It's a really, really uncomfortable read, (laughs) Yes, Um, which is exactly what he was going for. And the movie
1: was pretty creepy, too. I remember catching the movie on, I forget which channel, it was like maybe TBS, TNT, something like that, years and years ago, like when we were in maybe elementary school, late elementary school or middle school, and it was during the summer and they would show like a bunch of movies back to back. And I remember watching that one, and that really gave me the creeps. It was a pretty creepy concept. Yeah. I
2: was going to say, one of my favorites, though, and it's probably the most recent Stephen King work that I've read, other than maybe Dreamcatcher, um, was uh, The Green Mile. Yes. So I think that that's really fantastic. And so the title of the book comes from this green hallway that takes you to the execution chamber where you would get where you'd sit in the electric chair and, and serve out your sentence if you were on death row. And so it's a whole story about this prison and these prisoners on death row and things like that. A lot of similarities to Shawshank Redemption, but some very, very distinct differences too. There's almost mm-hmm. kind of like a, a Steinbeck quality to it. Like it kind very of feels so, like a yeah. like a Grapes of Wrath type of story. Um,
1: well, it's definitely uh, like a period piece-esque like it's supposed to take place in what the like 40s 50s something like that
2: yeah i think it, i think there's like the 30s or 40s yeah okay yeah so but it's uh that's a really good one too but it's an entirely different than pet cemetery which is meant to like keep you awake at night and chew your fingernails <laughs> down to the bone where this is much more just like it's a very bizarre lens to look through the world because and most of us
1: never find ourselves on death row
2: um,
1: right well and and that movie is just so good with uh, you, you know you had uh michael clark duncan and tom hanks and a whole bunch of other actors and actresses that what are
2: was the uh, what was the name of the mouse it was like mr uh, was it mr bojangles
1: yes i believe so
2: yeah um yep Michael Duncan, he uh, he's this giant, giant dude, um, and he has a pet mouse that he named Mr. Bojangles, um, and I'm trying to remember how it, the the mouse dies at some point, and it like he yeah. like, has he has like a breakdown. I don't remember if like one of his cellmates killed it or or how that all worked out, but um,
1: it's been a while since it's, it has it. been a while.
0: So for me, I always have to go with The Dark Tower because, to be honest, I've read The Stand and I've read a lot of short stories, but the only Stephen King books that I have read beginning to end and devoured is The Dark Tower series, starting with The, D- the Gunslinger. Out of all of them, The Drawing of Three is probably my favorite. Which was that but in the series? It was the second one. Second? Okay. Um, but... Like you said earlier, what he does a really good job of creating an intersected world, uh, almost Tolkien-esque. Mm-hmm this book takes that type of fantasy and then turns it almost into a spaghetti Western style, Mm -hmm. but then it crosses through time through dimensions and it changes it up. And I love that the character of the gunslinger in um, the beginning, he's very cold. He's got a mission. I mean, this is him throughout, but he kind of evolves a little bit, but I mean, he even goes so far as to let his, you know, Cohorts and sidekicks die because he's got to get through this in order to complete, you know, what he's trying to do. And toward the end, he doesn't even remember why he's doing it. I was really drawn to that, and I love the mythology of it. No,
2: th- did I think it's very succinctly summed up here on Wikipedia in this very first paragraph about the series, um, where it says the series was chiefly inspired by a poem, Child Roland uh, to the Dark tower came by robert browning whose full text was included in the final volumes appendix in the preface to the revised 2003 edition of the gunslinger king also identifies the lord of the rings um arthurian legend and the good the bad and the ugly as inspirations. so he's pulling from 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 tolkien the, the original world builder king arthur and the round table and you know Clint Eastwood westerns. So it absolutely makes sense that it feels like that perfect blend of all of those things. And yeah. Which is
1: not an easy thing to blend. Those are not necessarily genres that go together well. So the fact that he did it in that manner is really unbelievable.
2: So if (laughs) you were to go into a blockbuster, assuming one were still to exist, I think there might (laughs) be one still open. But where would this movie be found in the video store
0: i think i would
1: put it in fantasy yeah i've yeah either fantasy or drama maybe but not Uh, western i i don't think so i don't think i would Yeah. yeah now did either of you see the gunslinger movie that came out within the last few years I did.
0: And I, I think the movie performed poorly at the box office and the movie is actually a sequel to the book series. Oh, and, okay. Um, so the movie kind of, it's, it's sort of a sequel. It's without reading the books and out giving away the ending. It's hard to explain. Uh, but it's a it's a resetting in the same universe, and it but it continues the story from the book, and it was the movie was supposed to be a continuation and then it was supposed to be followed up with a tv series and there Hmm. were negotiations and deals in in place and then the whole thing tanked at the box office because people wanted to see the book right and that's not what they
2: got as opposed to like a supplemental material which is what they ended up getting that's really interesting i am almost wondering like if that would have been a book report assignment for somebody in high school um, oh, they
0: would have screwed it up. They would have really, really <laughs> bombed that book report. <laughs> I will say, Idris, uh, is it Idris Aldbra? Aldra?
1: Idris Id- Alba.
0: He he embodied Roland perfectly. When I after um, from reading the book and then seeing the movie, that is how I always envisioned the character being portrayed. Nice. And I will say that I think the cast they assembled to make the movie was perfect. I don't think the movie was bad at all, but I can see why people were so critical of it and why it didn't perform as well as they were expecting. Well,
1: if you're going in with the expectation. That it's an adaptation of the book rather than, as Brian said, a supplemental piece or a, you know, continuation of that world. I could see how that would be a little frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Much like, uh, yeah, I know this kind of gets out of our era and stuff like that, but I was just reading the other day that they are planning on making a Gears of War movie and Um, apparently it's not going to be about the game it's going to be like a story set within that world and i know that's causing a lot of uproar right now or at least uh, you know a lot of discussion about it because i think a lot of people were expecting to see like a dramatization of the video game as opposed to oh, you know, here's some characters and settings from the movie, but a unique storyline. Yeah. And I feel like that happens a lot with video game movies. I think that's a major downfall of a lot of adaptations of video games to movies is the expectation and the reality always end up different. You could probably make that case for a lot of movie adaptations of books, too. That's why a lot of times people have a hard time with movie adaptations is because things have to get changed because they're different mediums.
0: Since we're talking about movie adaptations, do you ever notice that Whenever like Stephen King gives a thumbs up to one of his adaptations, it usually ends up being not a very popular movie. But the ones that he isn't happy with seem to like stand the test of time. Yes, uh, like for instance, The Shining. He absolutely hates the adaptation of The Shining, but one of his favorite adaptations is the movie The Mist.
1: Yep. Ooh. Yep. Boy. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. But what's funny is like he likes the tv version the made for tv miniseries of the shining because that was more faith faithful to the storyline from the book as opposed to the version that Kubrick came up with which was you know obviously pretty similar and had took a lot of the same material but definitely changed some major things about it
0: yeah
2: Yeah.
1: quick Uh, aside
2: i remember flipping through like on-demand This has got to be probably 10 years ago now. And The Mist was one of the options. And in my (laughs) mind, I read it as John Carpenter's The Fog. Oh. (laughs) So when I got the 2007 or 2008 or whenever that movie came out version of The Mist, I was uh, (laughs) less than happy.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) So when
0: I think when I think the word mist, I think moist. Oh, uh, really Brian's moist? favorite
2: word. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> wasn't there a, wasn't, wasn't there a, like a a game like a million bazillion years ago? Like I want to say like PlayStation One called Mist.
1: Yes, and it was with like
2: a y. yes with a Y. Yep. and I remember that being like the cutting edge at that time. Um, yeah, I haven't played it in probably. 20 years, but I remember it's like one of the
1: hardest puzzle games ever made. Yeah, yeah. Well, now I know what to get you for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So, going back to The Shining, there's two things that I wanted to bring up. One of them I hope I can find again because I just lost it in my memory bank. But uh, the first one was. If any of you, like me, are a huge fan of The Shining, you can actually go to the hotel yes. that this is based on in Estes Park, Colorado. It's a little bit north of Denver, maybe an hour or two north of Denver, and it doesn't look like the hotel necessarily because the in the Kubrick film, the visuals for the hotel were actually based off of a hotel in like Oregon or Washington State. Mm, but the mm-hmm. stories and the the kind of myth behind the hotel were based off of what's called the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. A beautiful place. And you can actually go on a tour, like a ghost tour there, where they'll take you to the rooms that the stories were based on, you know, like the one that there's one where like a mobster was murdered and then stuffed into like a mattress in one of the rooms there, and right. so so you can actually go and take a tour and see all of this. Um, I went on a little bit of the tour. Unfortunately, it was one. It was a paid thing. You have to pay like a few bucks to go on. It's really not that bad. But two, we just didn't have the time. I was with some family and we had something else planned for that day. And we just stopped by the hotel to see it real quick. So we went on like the first five or 10 minutes that you can go for free. And they show you like the bar where Jack would have been hanging out and stuff. And then from there, you had to have the pass or whatever to go. So then we just kind of bounced out and left. But. The other funny story, so this I still believe that this is kind of one of the I, I know Stephen King doesn't like it as much, but I still think the Kubrick film is like one of the pinnacles of horror storytelling. It's just such a good movie. Watching Jack Nicholson's characters descent into madness yes. and everything oh, is brilliant. unbelievable. Brilliant. But there's a there's a story from when I moved down to Texas, so my first year down in Texas, a family friend of ours, their daughter knew somebody that had this big house and would rent rooms out to people. and so this guy rented a room out to me. It gets to be Halloween, and you know, I had come from a long day of teaching because it was in the middle of a week, you know, long day of teaching and stuff, and I'm just exhausted, so I go upstairs. Nobody else is home, I don't think. So I turn all the lights off in you know the living room and all that, go into my room, and I decide to watch uh, TV. And so I'm flipping through, and AMC has The Shining on. I'm like, oh, perfect. So I'm watching The Shining, and in this particular room, it was already furnished when I got in there. I stayed in this one room first and then moved into a room with an actual bed later. But the room I was in at the time had a... Uh, a bunk bed in there, and the bottom like you could fold into a couch or lay out as a bed and stuff. So sure. I was laying down on the couch watching the movie, and I kind of doze off. And then it gets to that part. I, I can't remember his name in the the movie, but it was uh, Scatman Jones or whatever his name is, the actor. Uh, he comes in looking for Danny because he senses that something is wrong. Because of this, you know, the, the titular Shining. He feels like something's wrong, so he goes to check on the family. It You know, it went from being real quiet to all of a sudden this horrifying orchestral, like, shrieking violin part comes <laughs> on. And Jack hits the guy, uh, Scatman Carruthers, that's his name. He hits Scatman Carruthers in the stomach with an axe. And he starts screaming, I jumped so high that i hit my head on the top bunk and <laughs> <laughs> like seriously i probably jumped like 3 feet off of the couch when that scene started <laughs> it scared the crap out of me <laughs> i see you've got the shinning oh you mean shining you mean the shining no <laughs> right, it's boy, the Shining suit <laughs> Uh, if you don't know what Paul is referring to there, it was a Treehouse of Horrors episode from The Simpsons.
0: Where Willie played that character and yep. was trying to warn Bart of how to use his power to ins- to sense the um, upcoming evil. hmm
1: mm-hmm.
0: No <laughs> beer and no TV make Homer something something. Go <laughs> <No> crazy?
1: <laughs> don't mind if I do? Don't mind boogie if I do! <laughs> do. <laughs> so, actually, uh, speaking of The Shining... The next story for adaptation that's going to happen is Dr. Sleep, which is a sequel to The Shining, about Danny when he's an adult. It looks really good, and Ewan McGregor is going to be playing Danny Torrance as an adult in this film.
0: But Stephen King gave the uh, gave the script for the adaptation a thumbs up, so I have uh, a feeling it may be
1: poor. Dang it! <laughs> oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, you mentioned yours was. I
2: mentioned the Green Mile and the, the Pet Mile. Cemetery made okay. me wet myself.
1: Yes, good. Okay, and then uh, Paul mentioned the Gunslinger. Um, I would say probably one of my all-time favorite Stephen King stories is The Shining. But one, since we've talked about that one already, and two, there's another one that I feel never gets enough attention, and I feel is maybe one of his better works.
0: Come on, Cujo.
1: No, it's not. That Mm. Cujo is really good. (laughs) But there was another story, and if I remember correctly, let me double check real quick, but I'm pretty sure it was originally written as a... Richard Bachman story. story. Yes, uh, it was. So this one actually was kind of interesting in that he released two twin novels, one released under his name and one originally published under the Richard Bachman name at the same time, which is interesting considering they actually have a lot of crossover, uh, but they are both published by him. The first one that came out chronologically it was desperation, but the one that I like, and I think is a completely underrated story by him is called The Regulators. Now this book revolves around a kind of quiet suburban neighborhood and one day a in Maine a kid is riding <laughs> his bike around on his paper route when all of a sudden a van pulls up and shoots the kid and kills him. And then, of course, panic ensues and all of the residents take shelter in their homes trying to figure out what's going on. Well, oddly, as time goes on, uh, another van shows up that has what would be described like best described as almost kind of like a Power Rangers, you know, Beetleborgs kind of deal where it's like these characters from a kids TV show all of a sudden pop up and then characters from a Western start showing up and uh, and killing residents of this neighborhood and stuff. And so people are trying to figure out what's going on and stuff like that. It is an unbelievable read. I think I read it in like two or three days and absolutely loved it. But I feel like nobody has ever heard of it or it's not generally part of like yeah i've never i've never read it that's unbelievable and they did so the twin novel to it was desperation which takes place in a town out west and that one is more about a sheriff that has a, a prisoner that's locked up at their at their little small town police department stuff like that and some weird things start to happen but there is a Storyline crossover where desperation is kind of like a almost like an origin story to the story for the regulators. It, it kind of explains <laughs> what happens with the storyline in the regulators. Uh, unbelievable books. I could not hi- more highly recommend, especially the regulators desperation wasn't my favorite but it does a good job of explaining what happens that causes the regulators to the book the regulators to happen so if you get a chance definitely read the regulators it is i feel highly underrated as a stephen king book making it right now
0: I love that you mentioned that they came out like around the same time, but he published one under his pen name. When I was doing my notes for this episode, one of the cool facts that I came across was that as a writing exercise, he tries to write 2000 words a day every day.
2: Jeez. And I mean,
0: the level of concentration and dedication that that, you know, must take is insane. Oh, absolutely! I was also amused to find out that he does most of his writing on paper with a Waterman fountain pen. <laughs> oh, my gosh! <laughs> nice. How would you like to be the person that has to transcribe Stephen King's notes? Jeez. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to no guess kidding. that
2: he's right handed, though. Because if he's left-handed, it's just a smear of black ink <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> you cannot use a fountain pen if you're left-handed. At least I've not seen anyone do it successfully. So,
1: <laughs> so, so actually, uh, talking about his writing and stuff like that, kind of reminded me. I'm actually I follow him on Facebook. Oh, you say like
2: home from the grocery store.
1: Oh yeah, well that too, <laughs> obviously. But uh, no, I I absolutely love that pretty much the main thing he shares on his Facebook page is his little Corgi named the thing of evil. <laughs> That's awesome. i surprised you didn't name it Cujo. <laughs> yeah. you call him Toe? <laughs> yeah, he could maybe. That's funny. So I do um, want
0: to talk about Cujo for a split second. because yeah. We brought it up twice. Um, so Stephen King writes for Entertainment Weekly, and he's got a, he's had a regular column since like 2003. And in one of his columns, he talked about his struggles with drug and alcohol throughout his life and career. Yeah. And um, he one of the things he mentioned is that he has almost no memory of writing Cujo. No kidding. And he, wow. he, he, he he brings that up as almost like a, a sad note that he wishes he could remember the, you know, he takes a lot of joy in like discovering the characters as he's creating them. Yeah. He, you know, discovering how their story ends and he, one of his biggest regrets is he has no recollection of actually that feeling when he was writing Cujo and it's one of his favorite works. I was going to say most
2: people like critically consider it one of his top 10 for sure. Um, Yeah. That is, that is really disappointing to hear though, that he just has no memory of it basically.
1: Yeah. I actually, you know, bringing up his drug and alcohol problem, I read before that like back in the day, he had such a bad cocaine habit that it wasn't uncommon for him to like have to write with, like cotton swabs or whatever up his nose so that he wouldn't like bleed onto his transcripts. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. 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 There's
2: some like really, really awful pictures of him from like the late eighties, early nineties, like where he just looks mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely like super pale and his hair is just a mess. He definitely looks like he was dealing with a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: But if you look at his life, he, I mean, he he's dealt with a lot. I mean, his, his dad abandoned the family yeah um, you know, and so he was raised by a single mom with an adopted brother. Um, he had struggles with drug and alcohol. Uh, when he was a child, one of his best friends was hit by a train in front of him.
1: Oh, and geez. that's
0: another thing that he says he has no memory of whatsoever.
1: Like, he just blocked
0: that out? I I assume so. I mean, just the trauma from that. And I think that, you know, his life is probably where he draws a lot of these, you know, inspiration from. Because I imagine when you have that rough of a childhood that it's got to, you know, that's got to go somewhere inside you. You know what I mean? Like, you you know, there's got to be a darkness that...
1: Well, and you could see that with his stories, you know, like we talked about before with Carrie... Or uh, Stand By Me, you know, that directly correlates to the friend getting hit by a train and stuff. There's a lot of parallels that you can see he drew from real life and either adapted them or kind of used that as a background for his novels.
0: And like in the later Dark Tower books, you know, he was hit by he was hit by a van in 1999. You know, Mm it's really
2: you know, it's really weird about that, Paul. Hmm. It happened on June 19th, 1999.
1: Whoa! Really? I just felt a chill. Just, yeah. For just for reference, since this episode is going to come out in later, like August, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in August, we're recording this episode on June nineteenth. Hmm.
2: Yeah. So it was twenty years ago today. Um, he was hit while driving up a really dark main highway, and he almost had to have like either was it one leg or both legs amputated because of how I horrific thought it the accident was one. Was.
0: Yeah. One, he broke a hip, punctured a lung. Um, one of his legs was nearly destroyed. Oh. Yeah. And then he ended up using that experience in the Dark Tower when he writes himself into the book series where they're trying to stop him from being hit by the van. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but in <laughs> my ul- ultimate favorite, um, I feel like if I had something like that happen to me, that this would be my response to it as well, which is why I'm you know, glad that it doesn't seem as weird. He bought the van after the court case <laughs> and then proceeded to destroy it with a sledgehammer.
1: That actually makes a lot of sense. That seems like it yeah. would be very gratifying to. I feel like I would have a similar reaction
0: to it. So I feel good to know that I'm not the only one I mean, that, you know. Right. If, it's,
1: like, it's like the scene
2: in Office Space with the printer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Being a very, it out to the ca- field.
1: very cathartic way to be able to deal with your pain, like, you know, have an outlet for your pain and suffering that you've gone through. Apparently, the guy that was driving the van, uh, he died of an accidental
2: overdose uh, in September of 2000 as well. The conspiracy
0: theories about that are hilarious, by the way.
1: Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. (laughs) I can only imagine. So I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about another one of his stories for a moment. uh, Because I feel like you know for, he's made obviously some amazing stories that have been adapted into some of the best films and and TV series that have ever existed but i feel like there's one moment in particular in one of his stories that stands above the rest as a particularly shocking and unforgettable moment and that is in the novel misery I was going to say, I didn't realize he
2: wrote Sleepaway Camp, but go on. on. Oh, gosh.
1: (laughs) So, anyway, so Misery is a novel about an author named Paul Sheldon who writes a series of novels that has a main character named Misery Chastain. Now, uh, there is a woman who ends up becoming uh, Annie. Is her name Annie? I can't remember if they gave Annie Wilkes uh played in the movie by the amazing Kathy Bates. She is a huge fan of the Misery Chastain novels and has read all of them countless numbers of times and stuff like that. Well, she finds out Paul is going to kill off Misery in the next novel, and to her, that is completely unacceptable. And so she actually... Somehow he ends up in a car accident. I can't remember if she caused it or if. No, what it was is uh, he was driving in the in the snow and got into a crash, and it happened to be right by her house. And she comes across him, but refuses to bring him to the hospital until he will, like, verify that he will not kill off misery in the next novel, like basically holding him hostage until he changes the ending. And so most of the novel uh, and most of the movie is Paul in the bed and she's kind of torturing him in various ways to try and keep him from escaping and stuff like that. And it really comes to a head in probably one of the most memorable scenes in which she finds that he was trying to escape. Her way of uh, keeping him in the bed was she takes a sledgehammer and swings it horizontally so that she hits the inside of his foot and breaks his knee so that his leg bends outwards. The first time I saw that... My jaw dropped, and I'm pretty sure I yelled, holy shit, because <laughs> it was like, what the hell just happened?
0: <laughs> and I've been silent this entire time because I'm reliving the trauma of watching <laughs> yeah. that in my head. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All of a sudden, it j- we get a zoom in on Paul, and it's, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, Oh, gosh.
1: Yeah, that I I mean, I really do feel like that is probably one of the most iconic scenes out of any of his movies. Of course, that goes up with the pig's blood and Carrie. Um, Here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. (laughs) Here's Johnny from The Shining. We never Uh, talked
2: about Shawshank Redemption either. Um, Yeah which, which is, but it's I, on tv on tnt
1: this weekend
2: i guarantee it yeah. oh, i don't know sure. when
0: this episode's being released but if you turn it to tnt i bet it's on yeah yep. give
2: or take yep. six hours it'll be there yep. and they'll be
0: just getting off the bus into the prison because nobody ever sees the movie from the beginning <laughs> exactly.
1: yeah no it's absolutely true <laughs> I, that's always, I always where it catch, starts i always catch it at the same two spots Either the the first time that Red and Andy are talking in the courtyard, or at the end when Andy is escaping through the plumbing, it never fails that that's always where I turn it on. Wait, he escapes. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> well, I never said successfully or not. Oh, oh yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but that one, uh, great. You know, great that we brought that up because that one. I think still is the number one rated film on IMDb and has been for as long as I can remember. I don't think it's wow. ever not been the number one film on IMDb. It's widely considered to be one of the best movies ever made. Even higher than It Citizen did King. briefly
0: wow. swap places with The Godfather in 2000.
1: That's right. I do remember that. Uh, because I was clicking like <laughs> <laughs> on the Godfather over and over
0: and over again for the Godfather.
1: Okay, that's what I figured. But that one, if if you get a chance, if you've never seen it, see it. It's got Morgan Freeman. It's got uh, Tim Robbins. What's his, Tim Robbins. Yes. Yeah. I didn't want to say Tim Curry because I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> it's actually Tim the Tool Man Taylor. <laughs> 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 So, uh, yeah, he he's in it as Andy Dufresne. Red is played by uh, the incomparable Morgan Freeman. And, of course, there's a, a ton of other amazing actors in it, but generally considered one of the best films ever made. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so are there any other books, novels, adaptations that we haven't talked about that you guys would like to... I'd like to segue
0: briefly to just Stephen King, the person, and how have we not talked about The Rock Bottom Remainders?
1: I'm not sure I know what that is.
0: Really? Brian, do you know what The Rock Bottom Remainders is? No. The Rock Bottom Remainders is a band that is um, headlined by Mitch Album, Dave Barry, Roy Blunt Jr., Greg Lies, Stephen King... Matt Groening, James McBride, Ridley Pearson, Amy Tan, and Scott Tarot. Really? What? You guys have never heard of The Rock Bottom Remainders? I expected No, but I we were going into this episode, in yeah. I-, I assumed we were going to talk about The Shining, and then I figured the whole rest of the episode would turn into The Rock <laughs> Bottom Remainders. I,
1: I mean, I knew Stephen King was in a band. I didn't know he was in a band with all of those authors and writers, that's amazing. I mean, Mitch album being you know, Tuesdays with Maury, Matt Groening of The Simpsons. That that's unbelievable.
2: Yeah. I had no idea. I am gonna have to bookmark this. Seriously, oh, I yeah. might
1: have to look him up as
2: soon as we're done recording tonight. Oh, Dave Barry. Oh my gosh, there's so many people.
0: If you Surely go out piercing. to if you go out to YouTube, um You can find all... I know that Mitch album on his website has a whole YouTube collection of some of the songs that he sings. To my knowledge... I know you can buy some of their songs on Bandcamp. I don't know if any of the... I don't think they have any official releases, though. But... um, Please tell me Stephen
1: King plays the
0: synth. I don't know why, but that would
1: just be perfect.
0: No, he plays uh, bass. Ah,
1: that's all right. That's
2: still pretty cool. Yeah, it's still pretty cool. But... I
0: I am completely in shock and awe here. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh... I was hoping to just set the field and let you guys run with it because outside of watching them on YouTube and knowing the people that are in it, that's about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry to her- sorry to ruin your your uh, joy there, Paul. <laughs> so, um, any other books, novels, anything that you guys wanted to mention?
2: No, I, I think that we we covered most of the the big hits. I'm sure a lot of these are individual topics within the Hopper as well, especially the movie and TV show versions. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I've always really enjoyed his work, and it's it started from literally judging books by their cover when I was like four or five years old, <laughs> and and going back to read them like five or six years later, and and you know finding a lot of spooky, scary joy in that. Um, Yeah, I I think he's fantastic, and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's all I got.
1: (laughs) There is one other one that I wanted to mention because, as you mentioned, I haven't really read a lot of his more recent stories, like within the last 10 to 15 years. The one that I did read, though, that was really cool, and there was a fairly decent adaptation done on Hulu uh, recently was 112263 which was the Stephen King take on the JFK assassination. Oh. If you haven't read it or seen it, it's actually a pretty cool story. The a kind of brief premise of the story. There's a guy who works at a, he's an author, goes to this restaurant and stuff, and he is hanging out at this uh, restaurant one day. And the guy that, that works there is older and stuff like that. And he orders something. The guy goes into the back and then all of a sudden he comes back and he looks like he's years older. He's coughing up blood. And then he like either I can't remember if he dies or or has to go to the hospital or whatever. But he basically tells him that he went back into the past and and stuff like that. And he says, like, if you go through the pantry, you'll like go back in time and so the character goes into the pantry and he keeps walking uh forward and all of a sudden he steps into like 1962 i think at the time or maybe early 1963 and so he like goes in and he spends some time walking around and can't believe what he's seeing of course And then, of course, the events that, you know, go into place to lead to the JFK assassination start happening. And so the story kind of crosses over from there into that. Very cool story. And in one of his better recent novels, because like outside of The Dark Tower, he wrote a new one of that a few years ago. Outside of that, the only big ones that I've heard from the last 10 years or so we're under the dome, which was, of course, uh, turned into a TV series with uh, Hank from uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, uh, I uh, on King it. of the Hill. No, not King of the Hill. <laughs> and then uh, there was Dr. Sleep, which, as I mentioned, is going to be the next adaptation. There was Mr. Mercedes which I believe was also adapted, and then a couple stories that followed up that storyline called Finder's Keepers and End of Watch. Um, And then a few others, but outside of that, you know, he hasn't written a ton of ones that have become real popular within the last 10 years or so yet, but that one was kind of the one that I remember a lot of people talking about when it came out a few years back. So... I think that is all I have on Stephen King, if there's nothing else.
2: Well, I guess that wraps up our discussion on Stephen King. Now we're going to move on to
0: Nostalgia Combat! Nostalgia, Nostalgia combat! Combat!
1: devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is the closest will get to lead their chat next week. First, we have Brian with the WB channel, and then we have Paul with Brian's favorite rock band, Modest Mouse. Are you gentlemen ready? <laughs> uh, born ready. ready. Alright. So the question for you guys this week is, as we've mentioned, Stephen King has had a considerable amount of adaptations done either in film or TV uh, that have been made during his very illustrious and long career. The question then is how many total adaptations have been made on his stories? Now, I will say this includes movies, TV shows, and what I would call derivatives Of stories, meaning sequels, uh, like movie sequels of stories that he wrote. So, like Children of the Corn Six. Yeah, yeah, yep. Or like the (laughs) Pet Cemeteries and stuff like that. Uh, And I will say that I also counted, uh, like for instance, with The Shining and with It, both of them have been made as miniseries on TV as well as movies. So, I counted those, both of those as well as. As adaptations, gotcha. so number of adaptations that have been made of Stephen King films to date. I'm um, gonna say ninety. Okay. I'm gonna say sixty-four
2: and a third, and the thirds <laughs> just for uh, the thirds for Lawnmower Man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll go on we'll it down to sixty-four, though. <laughs> Well, congratulations, Paul. You actually were only off by six. Uh, as of today, he has had 96 adaptations of Holy movies, poof. TV shows, or derivative movies made on his stories. Uh, 97 being Dr. Sleep. And then from there, he actually just tweeted out recently that he really wants to make an under-the-dome uh, uh, redo Under the Dome but actually follow the books because apparently the TV series did not do a very good job adapting his story mm. so that what, could be number 98
2: what about the Simpsons movie did that do a good job of Under the Dome
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty close so, so, so did their Treehouse of Horrors adaptation of The Shining
2: there you go there you go <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks. Looks like Paul is going to be guiding us through the land of Modest Mouse next time. I still have the topic. Your favorite band. Oh, all-time favorite. Woo-wee. I still have uh, the WB channel in my pocket, and now we're going to visit the Hopper of Imagination for a new topic to Adam, sir.
1: We want to remind all of our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com.
0: All right, sir, are you ready for your categories? I am. Let's do it. Alright, children's
1: TV series. Video game? Celebrity. So, before I say my answer, the way you dramatically paused after children's TV series, I honestly thought for a second that was the only choice you were going <laughs> to give me. I was like, ch- your choice is children's TV series or death what do you take <laughs> Patrick Henry
2: <laughs> so Liberty, okay sir.
1: sorry I, I uh, forgot what the last two are so children's TV series video game video game celebrity celebrity Uh, let's see have we done a video game in a while
2: we've not I think the last one we did was um, was Unreal Tournament it's been a very I long time
1: I think you're right I think I'm gonna go with a video game then
0: all right. You have chosen Pokémon Red, Blue,
1: Yellow. Oh, oh all my right. Goodness. The
2: originals. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Yes. I actually know a lot about this, so I'm really excited. <laughs> Blue, <laughs> Red, Yellow. Awesome. Well,
2: cool. So, um, once again, guys, thanks for joining us on Dating Ourselves. Be sure to check us out in 2 weeks when Paul leads a I'm sure riveting discussion on a Probably mediocre band, Modest Mouse. Um, <laughs> and in future episodes, I'll be talking about the WB channel and the Kids WB. And Adam will talk about Pokemans Red, Yellow, and Blue. Uh, thanks again, guys.
1: <laughs> if you like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. We've
2: got mail.
0: In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwback action <laughs> throwback
2: action We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram... You can find us at Dating Ourselves podcast, and we do the Twitter thing too at Dated Podcast.
0: And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been. Dead. Bye guys, see ya. See ya.